0: It going today, guys. We're back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Today is February nineteenth, twenty twenty. We're a little removed from football season now, or are we? I'm joined once again with Austin Clark, and we got a good show for you for y'all today, guys. Austin, say what's up to the people.
1: What's up, people? Yeah, today's gonna be a great show, and we are not far removed from uh from football we're actually just a couple of days away so um we're gonna be getting to a little bit of that and more i'm excited let's go ahead let's get to it
0: oh yeah absolutely so obviously since i said that we're not as far away from football as you think we're gonna go ahead and talk a bunch of football i mean why not um honestly honestly we got to start things off here with the xfl and i mean austin i know you told me you've been watching a lot of xfl what's your takeaway so far
1: I am actually really impressed with the XFL so far. I've uh, had the pleasure of watching every single game so far. I might not have seen every minute of every single game, but I've seen every single team play, and so far it's been really entertaining to watch. Um, the access that they give you is um, unlike any any other football experience uh, I've ever I've ever watched, and I think honestly my favorite. Part about the xfl is the transparency with the the officiating you know uh, we got guys up in the up in the review booth with xbox controllers you know and and everything that you can hear between the guys in the review booth and the referees and everything everything about it's just really cool to me and you got a lot of guys that you know i'm an i'm an sec football guy and there's a lot of players um playing in the XFL right now that are from the SEC so it's kind of cool to, to see a name down on the bottom of the screen and think to yourself hey man I remember when I used to see that guy you know back when I was in high school and he was playing for Auburn or he was playing for Florida or whatever so I have really enjoyed it so far I plan on sitting down and watching it this Saturday and Sunday and if any, anybody has the free time I recommend they do it too.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't watched quite as much as Austin has, but I've actually been really impressed with the little bit that I have watched. So I watched some of the first game. I watched Cardell Jones ball out. Then I kind of watched bits and bits and pieces when I was flipping back and forth. I'm a, y'all know how I'm. I'm a huge hoops head, so I'm always gonna be watching college basketball. Over. Um, Almost going to be watching college basketball or the NBA over the XFL, but at the same time, you know, I definitely am not opposed to all flipping over there, watching it, seeing what's going on, checking it out. I know in the playoffs, I'll definitely watch a good bit, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of do wish I had made more time to watch this for last weekend. I was kind of busy, but it's fun game. Like, I feel like they really have changed a lot of things. Like you said, you know, it's fun seeing the guys the Xbox controllers. I like how they give the look-ins at the coaches and stuff in between plays. You kind of get to see what's going on behind the scenes, and, I think another great thing they did with it too is they kind of incentivized it. Like these guys are basically making 2 2000 or 200 or no $2000 a game and they get an extra 2000 if they win the game. So I think it gives them a reason to play hard and I mean, I think it's been great competition. There's been a lot of fun plays just from the little bit of it I've watched, but you know, I think it also I just feel like you know, I don't really have a team that I'm rooting for that hard, which also kind of makes me not watch it as much, and it to me, like I feel like it's kind of a crapshoot betting on it so far, so I haven't really gotten too much involved with it either of those ways, so I think that's more so why I've been as big into it, but I will say this, I think the XFL is going to last.
1: Yeah, I definitely do think that it'll last as well. Um, I read a statistic actually just the other day um, that the XFL has already, before the very first kickoff, of the very first game of the XFL, the total revenue of the XFL had already surpassed that of the AAF um, months before in their entire and in their entirety of the entire time that the AAF was around. Uh, the XFL had actually made more money than they did before the very first kickoff of the first game. So it just goes to show, you know, how important it is to really broadcast and market um market the sport and I think they've done a really good job they have ABC as a network partner they got ESPN, they got Fox they got FS1 so it seems like a lot of people are jumping on board and and, uh, um, actually just today uh, we had uh, a couple of uh, Canadian Football League players decide that they are going to um, sign contracts with the XFL now Um, so it's starting to really gain attention and Players from other leagues are actually starting to um, take into consideration that this might be another path to the NFL.
0: Yeah, you know, I also think it'll be kind of crazy. Like, we got to, like, I don't know the specific rules of the XFL if they have like an age requirement or anything like that. But I could really honestly see some of these um, younger players, you know, or some of these guys coming out of, you know, maybe they play a year in, in the college football and they say, look, I really need to go make some money. I'm on the way to the XFL, you know. And I think they've done a decent job, you know, of getting some household name quarterbacks in there, which I think helps a lot. Um, I really think, Car- I was really impressed what I saw with Cardell Jones. And, you know, I think we'll see a couple of guys end up getting jobs back in the NFL just because they come out here and ball out.
1: Absolutely, I'm 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 excited to see what the remaining seven eight weeks have left. Um, but that's I guess that's enough uh, of my football fix for the week. Um, I but but not necessarily switching topics from football. Um, just the other day, we had Drew Brees reannounce that he'll be coming back for the 2020 season with the Saints. What is your thoughts on Drew Brees returning?
0: All right, this is me. I promise you guys, I'm being unbiased by saying this. I really think that the Saints are making a mistake here keeping around Drew Brees. Look, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a much better player at this point in time than Drew Brees is. Drew Brees looked old and washed up. I mean, he got those games off kind of because that he was hurt there for a little while. And even before the bye week, they were playing Arizona. I mean, they should be able to handle Arizona, but he wanted to go ahead and come back because I think he was scared Bridgewater was going to take his job. I mean, I thought the Saints looked way, way better and way more dynamic when they had Bridgewater in there. I mean, they went into Seattle and won with Bridgewater in there. You know, like they did a lot. I mean, Bridgewater had great numbers and everything. He took care of the football. I really think, too, that Drew Brees, I mean, this is something people don't really want to talk about just because Drew Brees' respect is an all-time great. Drew Brees lost for them. I don't care. You can say it's the pass interference or whatever. Drew Brees had an opportunity in that game when they lost to the Rams to win the game for them, and he threw an interception. Against the Vikings, he got strip-sacked and threw an interception. Drew Brees' biggest part of his game was he. Russell Wilson was basically like Drew Brees in the fact that he gets out of the pocket and everything. Drew Brees isn't fast like that anymore. He's never really had a crazy strong arm. He's just always made the good throws and every and you know been smart with the ball. I personally think that Drew, that keeping around Drew Brees this year is foolish, and I think he, I think that they're letting the wrong quarterback walk out of those doors. What do you think?
1: I one hundred percent agree with you, and I know this might be a hot take, you know, to have, and this might be some biased Falcons fans talking, but honestly, you, you have the past and you have the future. You know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees apparently are going to be flip-flopping switching passing yard you know all-time um records you know from week to week when really you can have teddy bridgewater or even i mean they're really i think Taysom Hill's going to be staying no matter what but i'd rather have teddy Br- bridgewater than Taysom hill teddy bridgewater went undefeated in his five well i'm pretty sure he went undefeated in his five games you know little streak that drew Brees broke his thumb so i mean we've already seen like what teddy bridgewater can do and what he's capable of it's not like he's a bad quarterback he's been in the system he knows the offense it it just really doesn't make any sense to me it seems like uh, they're going against you know bill belichick's philosophy of i'd rather get a, a player a year too early than a year too late and i think that's the mistake that the saints are making here
0: if anything, I think it's more so that they're saying this is an all-time great QB. He's been with our franchise for so long. I personally just think that they're just trying to stay loyal to, to uh, Drew Brees here. I mean, look, at the end of the day, loyalty doesn't win you championships. Football's a business. I think the Saints need to make the business decision. And, I mean, you can say I'm being a biased Falcons fan and whatnot. Personally, as a Falcons fan, I'm glad that they're keeping around Drew Brees. I'm not <laughs> yeah, in the remotely scared of Taysom Hill moving forward. I mean, Taysom Hill's talking all this talk like he wants to be a starting NFL quarterback, but... I would love to see him play the way he does and go out there and play a full game. I mean, I don't see him lasting more than four or five games. He was hurt a ton in college, missed tons of games. And I don't know if you all uh, saw that video too of him on did you see that video of him on Twitter playing quarterback in college?
1: Yeah, dude. he he's he's throwing a he. Threw a, he's, I mean, granted, this video was completely biased, but he's throwing a lot of picks, could not throw throw the ball really outside the pocket. Um, his scrambles really weren't that great. Not to mention, he spent so much time in college that he's he's old. He's like 37 years old now. You know, he's right behind, you know, on the train from Drew Brees. And, you know, that's just not the case with Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't really understand what the Saints are going to be thinking going forward after Drew Brees. Because if they're not thinking about that, then I don't think that they're thinking, thinking about their business in the way that they should be thinking about it. And like you said, like... If they keep Drew Brees, I'm all, I'm all about that letting our defense see a quarterback they've seen twice a year for the past 5 or 7 years. I'm all over that. Please keep Drew Brees.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I personally think it's a mistake. I mean, I'm not saying Drew Brees is going to go out there and be trash or anything. I'm just saying you got to look towards the future. I think Drew Brees you, you got to look towards the future with him when that reason and also on top of that, you know, I think even in the present the Teddy Bridgewater could do a better job than Drew Brees. So, I mean, mean, I'm not saying that Drew Brees has been doing a horrible job or anything. I just think that he's just in a nice predicament right now. And I think Bridgewater, like, I really think if they had Bridgewater, they probably, I I don't It would have been close between the 49ers. I mean, they would have definitely gone into Green Bay and whooped Green Bay, I think, the following week. So, I I don't know. I, I just, I really don't like the move. Um, Next up, we got King Henry, as he calls himself, Derrick Henry, hitting the free agent market. Um, do you think that Derrick Henry is going to become the highest paid running back in the league? And also, do would you pay him that money? Uh, I,
1: have, I I think that Derrick Henry's going to get a lot of attention in the free agent mark, market. I don't think that he will be the highest paid running back as a result of his free agency. Um, I think that he'll get paid really high running back dollars, but the fact of the matter is is that he's a little big, uh, which is what you want in a running back, but he can't catch the football. like He just doesn't catch the football at all, and that's kind of the way that a lot of, of the, the highest paid running backs are getting paid now. Le'Veon Bell. Ezekiel Elliott. They can all catch the football in the backfield. That's something that Derrick Henry can't really do. The other thing too is that Derrick Henry kind of battles has battled through some injuries. Um and that's something that I think would also kind of play a little bit of a role. I'm pretty sure he's a little bit on the older side. I don't have his age pulled up. He's only twenty six. Okay, he's only twenty six.
0: You know, in the last
1: I, four I, years. I it, it he it's going to depend i guess how long that deal is because if the deal is one or two years then you can get one or two really good years out of derrick henry i think but if derrick henry's probably going to try to be getting as long of the deal as he can with as much guaranteed money as he can i'm guessing that you're just not going to be able to really get number one running back dollars for four years with a guy that's you know, you're, you're not going to get those kinds of numbers when he's 29, you know, as if he's 26 right now. So that's that's my two cents on it. I, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that I think that he's a great running back. He's almost, you know, he's he's shown us uh, he's almost unstoppable. I just don't think he's worth that money.
0: So I think the I know Derek Henry is going to want the long term deal because he's a running back and he knows how it goes in the NFL. So Ezekiel Elliott is on a six-year, ninety million dollar deal, fifteen pretty much fifteen million a year. Gurley is making fourteen million a year, thirteen million for Le'Veon David Johnson. Then you got Devontae Freeman at eight, Saquon Barkley at seven point seven, Jet McKinnon at seven point five, Leonard Fournette at six point seven. That just that just kind of puts into perspective there for you the running back contracts in this NFL. Personally, I think Derrick Henry is, look, I mean, you kind of bring up a good point. I mean, he's young in the sense of he's only 26, but I mean, he carried the ball a ton at Alabama. He carried the ball a ton last year for the Titans. Look, I think that, I don't think him being able to catch the ball or not matters at all into him getting paid. I mean, when he was on the Titans, you lined up every single play and you knew exactly what was going to happen. He still ran all over everybody. Um... If I'm a team, I would give him three year. I would give him three years, fifteen million dollars a year, and I would front. Or if I had to give him that fourth year, I'd basically front load it to where you can cut him after that third year and basically owe nothing and get hit for nothing on the cap. You know, I think that's the best way you do it with a guy like him. I mean, I think that he can. He might be able to be one of those running backs like Adrian Peterson, who's that generational running back who just keeps going and going and going. I don't know if you saw today, by the way, the Redskins are bringing back AP for another year. That's my favorite tailback all time, but I think that Derrick Henry deserves to get paid. I think he deserves to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. I just don't know how, if I'm willing to give him anything over four years. You know, I think I think that he can still dom- absolutely dominate for two more years. I really do. I mean that that performance he had in the playoffs the most dominant performance I've seen by a running back, and even that game before against the Texans, he ran for like 250 as well. I mean that was basically Adrian Peterson esque numbers, and then. On top of all that, did you hear that interview that he had with, um? I can't remember which Barstool podcast it was, but it was one of the Barstool podcasts. Did you hear that interview he had? I did not. So they were asking about what he thought on that uh, on that run he had against Earl Thomas. He's basically like, He was like, yeah, he's like, you know the Ravens. He's like, they had a good season and all. They were whooping everybody. He's like, they were all over there talking that talk. They were talking that talk all week. And he's like, I was running all over them. And he's like, on that play against Earl Thomas, he's like, you know how he does. He's one of the best to play the game. He's like, he's talking that talk. And he's like, I had to put him in in his place. He's like, I was trying to throw him out the club. (laughs) So he said, throw him out the club. (laughs) But he said he was trying to stiff-arm him so hard that he accidentally ran out of bounds. He said he didn't even mean to run out of bounds. He was Uh, trying to throw him out the club and forgot what he was doing.
1: Damn. Dude, but, I mean, that's one of the best stiff arms that I think we'll ever see in, like, NFL playoff history. Like, there's that one, and then there's a crazy Marshawn Lynch run, you know? Like, everyone just got to kind of have that implanted in their brain for a long time.
0: No, absolutely. I think that's up there, honestly, like you said. I mean, with the beast mode and Adrian Peterson's stiff arms, like, I mean, that play to me was iconic. He literally spun probably top three greatest safety to play the game in circles, but... Bottom line, I'm get if I'm a team, it needs a running back, and I want to go out and get Derrick Henry. I'm giving him that. Th- I'm offering him four years. Um, it'd be sixty four years, sixty million dollars. But I'm telling him that the last that I'm going to front load it, give him a huge signing bonus, and that last year is not guaranteed. What about you?
1: You know, I I really don't bother myself with trying to figure out the exact you know numbers with when it, in regards to contracts because i'm just never going to be able to effectively estimate what those numbers will be um but i'm i'm guessing somewhere around the ballpark of 11 to 12 per year so you know somewhere i think we're somewhere around the same range maybe just a little bit less than maybe what you're talking but i, th- I think that he'll get it i don't know i'd be very curious to see if he the Titans are willing to fork up that money or not. I know they gotta they gotta pay um, Tannehill if they want to keep Tannehill, and I'm not even exactly sure how expensive that would be. But um,
0: wait, you do speak- think the Titans will fork over the money, or
1: you don't? I I no, I I have no idea. I'm I'm really interested to see whether or not they will or not. I think that they're gonna definitely, you know. Put themselves in the market i just don't know if they're they're going to be the highest bidders i think that'll, that'll be a really interesting uh outcome there
0: yeah i think the titans will probably end up keeping him i mean he's the heart and soul of their team but this was something interesting that i was thinking about is that mark ingram it was a little banged up i mean he did sign a three or 15 million dollar deal maybe if the um if the Ravens were able to move him and they had the cap space, I mean, what if they went out and got Derrick Henry, him and Lamar Jackson? I mean, I don't even know if I'd throw the ball a single time if I had that in my backfield.
1: No, you could just get rid of all your wide receivers and then boom, you got enough cap cap space there. You don't even have to use your wide receivers at that point.
0: Yeah, well, they're really not even paying any of those wide receivers anything. But honestly, if I had Derrick Henry and and, uh, Lamar Jackson in the backfield, I seriously don't know if I'd throw the ball 10 times a game.
1: I mean, there wouldn't be really a reason to throw the ball ten times a game unless somebody's wide open, you know. So, yeah, hey, that's crazy to think about. I would, I would love to see it, but um, I don't know if we will.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think at the end of the day, Tennessee's gonna fork over the money. I mean, he's the heart and soul of the football team. Um, let's move now to a little baseball, and you know. I have an interesting take on this. I want to hear what you have, what your take is on it first. So, what's your take, just kind of on the drama around the league and the Astros' whole cheating scandal and everything? I know I haven't really heard much what you think about it.
1: You know, you know, as spring training, I, I'm actually very sour about it. I, I consider my, I miss baseball season. I want baseball season to be back. I want to watch the Braves on a daily basis. I miss that that season and that of that routine um so you know i consider myself to be a baseball fan so this actually kind of bothers me a little bit this whole thing um i think my initial reaction was you know it was the thought of that everyone cheats in baseball everyone's trying to steal signs and this seems like a situation in which one team cheated better than everyone else in a way that was um, more effective and um, gave them a, a greater advantage than maybe ever before. And the reason why there's this outcry is because everyone's kind of upset that that they weren't cheating cheating as well, you know, as, as the as the Astros were. But then, you know, as more things come out, as, you know, I see, you know, the videos of the trash, trash cans being banged, the videos of Altuve not willing to have his jersey ripped off and goes into, you know, the dugout and changes his, sh- changes his shirt and then comes back out for an interview. And then I can't remember who it was. I think it was Sanchez, the catcher for the Yankees. He raised the point. He said, you know, if I was to hit a home run off car, car, Carlos Stanton in the ninth inning of the ALCS walk-off in my own stadium, I would let my teammates rip my pants off I would let you know I would streak I would be that would be the happiest moment of my life you know I would I can't imagine not letting your teammates rip your jersey off and when I heard it from kind of that perspective I was like you know like maybe what they were doing maybe they were using buzzers you know maybe they were doing this and that and I just have no idea what they did All I know is that they were cheating and they were given an advantage that was better than everyone else. And um, I think what makes me the most sour is the punishment, is the fact that the players have no punishment. If you were to beam a player and um, the pitcher gets suspended, that would be more harsh of a punishment than that. I don't know, I'm sure many people have already heard heard that perspective before but it's so true like you you can't expect to defend um, the this team when they've done something that can't really be defended I, I don't know I don't know if I'm just like rambling on now but
0: no I think you definitely have a good take on everything so I have two takes on it so the first one is, I absolutely hate it that the Astros did it. I'm kind of disgusted by it because some of my favorite players are on the Astros. I am glad nothing came out about Springer at least having the buzzer on because I really, really like George Springer a lot. He's one of my most exciting players in the entire game, in my opinion. But, I mean, it's changed people's careers. You know, It affected guys getting contracts, guys not getting contracts. I mean, it affected the game in so many different ways, like you said, And, I mean, I personally think, though, that the commissioner handled it the worst of anyone. I mean, he literally said that, like, at the end of the day, the trophy's a piece of metal. Like, dude, your freaking name's on the trophy. How are you going to say the trophy's just a piece of metal when your freaking name is on the trophy? You know, like, that is absolutely ridiculous. And then on top of all that, you know, I love how the other players are outraged and they're speaking out of it. I think the Astros just have to take it and stuff, and they're forever shamed, but... Oh, and the other thing, too, I think, as well, is that baseball should put an asterisk next to it, kind of like I think they should do with Barry Bonds' home runs, kind of like I think they should do with a lot of other things with baseball. It's kind of crazy how in baseball, though, if you think about it, they're like that's the most, like, the b- baseball's most famous for its cheating, whether it's Pete Rose cheating on gambling on the games, whether it's players taking steroids, whether it's this thing now with the Astros. I mean, it's kind of crazy how that makes baseball... They're most famous, but the other kind of angle I have on everything is, I mean, as much as terrible as it is for that this team did in everything, I'm not saying it's good from the game of a perspective that it's good baseball, but if think about it. It gives the baseball now two teams that are villains. Not only are the Yankees villains, but the Astros are now villains, and that means that more people are going to want to watch the Astros. I mean, when has baseball ever been this talked about right now? Hey, I can't hear you by the way, Austin.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now.
1: Okay, I'm sorry about that. I think you're my good. uh my my mic was unplugged. No, you're good. Uh, all I, all I was saying there was is that the, any publicity is good publicity, even if it's bad publicity, and I think this is going to be really good publicity for baseball. Um and like you you raise a great point in saying, you know, Cheating scandals are something that's in baseball's history that, you know, um, that is gives it kind of baseball something to be remembered by, whether it's like you said, like Pete Rose or Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire or whatever. I think this will be something that we look at in the past or I'm sorry, in the future. And we'll look back in the past and say, this is one of those times in baseball that we can really remember.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's it's definitely blown the game up a lot. I mean, it sucks that it happened, but hey, at the same time for baseball, I guarantee you this is going to be one of the most closely paid attention to seasons in all baseball. And another thing, too, is I know you kind of saw as well as I did that all it's coming out that the over-under opened at 89.5 Astros batters get hit by pitches. I mean, I know for a fact teams are going to be coming inside on them and everything, but... I wonder if that's going to mess with the batter's psyche as well as help the Astros win more games because they're going to be getting so many more base runners because everyone's going to be getting plunked.
1: Uh, to be honest with you, I think that that whole prop is—I mean, honestly—if you have it, I think you should take the under because I think that by the time that baseball gets heated up, we'll, we'll kind of forget. We'll kind of forget this. Um, to give you a perspective, the average. Base, base runner hit in a season number wise is around 65. So basically, what you're saying is that the Astros are going to hit, get hit, a tw- 20 extra times on top top of the norm. I just don't really see that happening. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, baseball is kind of weird in the sense that it has all these unwritten rules. And baseball, and when I say baseball, I mean like the players may decide to take action in you know a way that's not pegging them with baseballs you know they might they might shame them in some other form of way and we might not know what that way is yet so i think i think it's a little early to to be saying that you know the ashes are going to get pegged 90 you know half 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 their games this season someone's going to get hit every single game you know so I, i i don't know about that but I definitely do think that uh, baseball will, uh, the players will do something in retaliation of this with there being no consequences handed out whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I actually think if anything, they're going to hit these guys more in spring training. So,
1: Yeah, that's another thing too. Very well could be all settled and done by the time spring training is over, so...
0: That's what I'm saying. I've found it, if, shoot. If anything, if I was a team in spring training against them, the first team that plays them, I would hit every single batter in their order to start out just to be petty. So, I mean, I, I think I definitely think it's going to be interesting. I think these guys will forever be outsiders to the game. It's unfortunate that they did it, but I'm sure glad they got caught. But let's move now over to a little basketball. It's going to be that time of the season. We're going to start hammering college basketball here soon on the podcast, but. NBA second half of the season's heating up, and look, I think there's a big topic that needs to be discussed that I've been preaching all season long. It is, do the 76ers need to split up Embiid and Simmons? What do you think?
1: No, I do not think that they need to split up Embiid and Simmons. I mean, it's very clear that Embiid and Simmons are not playing uh, efficient, off, efficient offensive basketball um, when they're on the floor together. I mean, to be honest with you, it can't get much worse than what it is right now. Um, but if they can somehow figure it out, I know that this might sound crazy, but if they can figure something out, they will be one of the most unstoppable teams. And they're in the East, which, you know, I think a lot of people give the East shit and whatnot. But they're in the East. It's a lot easier to win games on the eastern side of the playoff bracket than it is on the western side of the playoff bracket. So there's still half on you know a little less than half a season left of NBA basketball. I think that that's plenty of time for the Philadelphia Sixers to figure it out. And they don't need to get rid, rid of Embiid or Simmons.
0: I think the 76ers need to make the decision. It doesn't have to be this season but it needs to be in the off season. Look, you have to choose between the two of these guys. Both these guys, Ben Simmons, the thing always was, oh, when he gets a jump shot, he might be as good as LeBron then. Well, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to get a jump shot, quite frankly. The guy's scared of taking threes. I mean, Ben Simmons had so much potential of all these point guards in the league, and it's like now he doesn't even want to shoot threes, unless he's going to go out there like we've heard a thousand times and work on his game and start popping threes if if i'm me i'm getting him out of there you know i've got to have a guy who can shoot threes and stretch the floor that's clearly what philadelphia is lacking i mean this team is nine and 19 on the road i mean a lot of these teams in the league can play well at home you know like you got to do something or other on the road and philadelphia has been doing nothing on the road this season and so if i'm philadelphia it's time to make the decision you can get a great return um If I'm them, I would trade Ben Simmons. I think that the trade value is there. I mean, you're going to have to get good return, obviously. You can't give them up for nothing. But realistically, what screwed up the entire process here in Philadelphia was them trading for Markel Fultz. You know, they should have traded for a more established player, which is what I keep saying for the Hawks. Don't be like the 76ers and go out and trade for that. You know, basically give up tons of your assets to move up and get this young, unproven player, you know, like Markel Fultz was. I mean, obviously... You can't have known that was going to happen with his shoulder and everything, but, I mean, why not go out and get the veteran? You know, you have to bring in the veteran to teach all these young guys how to win, which they did do with Jimmy Butler, but ultimately he left him. So, if anything, I think that the 76ers need to make that move and get another guard. Like, imagine, I think they would be so much better if they had D'Angelo Russell and Bede and Horford in there, and, or if they had D'Angelo Russell. and You know what I mean? Like, I think they'd be so much better if they had something like that rather than with... Because, I mean, Sim, like Simmons, like... I literally, when teams defend Ben Simmons, they don't even guard him on the three-point line. Like, they basically defend him like Giannis, you know? So, I don't know. That's the way I feel about it.
1: I agree. I think between the two, you could probably get more trade value for Ben Simmons than you could for it. Uh, I think I would have him beat than I would have Ben Simmons, but that's just my, my own personal opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong either way between the two of them at the end of the day, but, you know, I would just rather get a little more value on Simmons. But um, let's move now, to before we get out of here, to just a little general NBA talk. So, Austin, who did you pick again when you came on the podcast when we did the NBA pre- conference preview?
1: To win the Eastern Conference. Can you say it again? You've I, said, a bit on I me believe here. I said that maybe. It's all right. I said that the 76ers would win the Eastern Conference.
0: Okay. And then who'd you pick for the West? I believe I picked the Houston Rockets. Ooh, okay, okay. Who, and who'd you have winning it all?
1: Um, oh, well, this is, this is, I'm sorry, those were my picks at the beginning beginning of the season. Um, I thought that's what you were asking. No, no, that's um, what I'm
0: asking. I want to hear what you had at the beginning of the season, and then if you, I was going to say, do you okay. want to change them?
1: Uh, yeah, I would like to change both of them, actually, but okay. I think I, I honestly have no idea because I don't think that those two teams will play. I I think everything that the Bucks have shown me has shown me that, that, that they're a championship contender team. Um, they play just as well on the road as they do at home. You know, Giannis is super effective offensively and defensively when he's on the floor, um the bucks are really just the sure shot favorite to win the east i think that if they i i think they're the sure shot favorite to win the east but that doesn't necessarily think that I'm, doesn't mean that i think they're going to win the east in the sense that they could have find, find themselves in trouble somewhere in the eastern conference playoffs like if they get on the same side as boston or um, the 76ers or something like that. I can see that series going five, six, maybe even seven games. So um, I still think that, 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 you know, it's competitive in the East. I don't think that, that necessarily the, the Bucks are going to run away with it. Um,
0: I actually I mean, think Toronto is the biggest threat to the Bucks. honestly. like, Look, Philadelphia is going to have to go into Milwaukee and win one. I would bet the house that that Philadelphia can't go into Milwaukee and win one, and I feel like Milwaukee though can go in there and steal one. Then Miami, Miami's not big enough, you know. Giannis's nuts are going to be hanging in Duncan Robinson and Bam Adebayo's yeah. faces the entire series if they're going to try to body him up with those boys. And then on top of all those matchup problems, I mean, I just I just don't. Look, I think the Pacers match up with them the best. Who I picked to win the East, and I mean, Oladipo's minutes restrictions to be off. I think if Oladipo can get things going, they can shake things up in the East. But at the end of the day, I think the Bucks. I mean, are coming out of the East. I mean, there's just no way to me they shouldn't. We have seen Toronto be able to D them up and, and stop them. I mean, Nick Nurse knows how to... I think Nick Nurse is a really intelligent coach and doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I think he's a really good coach, too. I think Toronto is honestly the wild card team again to come out of the East. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee's proven their head and shoulders above everyone in this Eastern Conference. And I mean... If they even had a, uh, if they if they had a, had one more shooter instead of Eric Bledsoe, I, I mean, I would have been so much higher on him. Like I'd love to see him keep Brogdon and somehow get rid of Bledsoe, you know. But they couldn't get yeah. rid of him. Um, see, there was what was going to say, um, also about the East. Um, oh, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it's something else about another team. Anything else you want to say about the East?
1: No, that's pretty much about it. About the East. Regards to the West. uh Definitely don't think that the Rockets are going to be able to get it done. I admire uh, Moria's, you know, gamble of, you know, the idea of playing small ball. And that's really what I see it to be is he's taking a gamble. There's all these teams that are, you know, picking up, you know, great utility players left and right. And I mean, teams I really mean like the Lakers and the Clippers and, you know, the Rockets just can't compete with that. They're going to have to do something else. And so I can, I can see where the gamble is being taken there. And, you know, it's be interesting after the All-Star break to see if any of that pays off. But at the end of the day, I like the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the Clippers have actually not impressed me as much as I thought that they would. I really thought that they had a better bench, that, you know, they could play well on the road, and that's one thing that, that I just don't think they can do well is play well on the road. Um, you know we see the Lakers have the ability to you know go and win tw- you know 15 well I think what was it 15 20 games in a row. You know, the Clippers have not done that. They're so focused on load managing. Paul Paul George shot has not been on. Um, I've been really low on the clippers. I think they're being overvalued. And um, they're really gonna have to kick it up a notch, in my opinion, if they were going to want to win the Western Conference because it's more competitive. You got teams like Denver and you know, like Portland's not even necessarily a playoff team right now, but if you go into Portland and play them on any given night, they're going to give you a run for your money, you know. So it's not easy in the West. You gotta you really gotta strap down and win the games that you can.
0: Yeah, um, I know, I honestly really disagree with you on the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers can beat the Clippers or the Rockets. I mean, at the end of the day, when the Rockets go small ball, if they're you're the Lakers, I mean, you got to decide who you want LeBron and Westbrook on. You know, I guess I'd probably put LeBron on PJ Tucker because I mean, LeBron's not really quick <laughs> enough to get any of those guards, or you're pretty much gonna have to put him on. You're gonna try to put him on Covington and. Tucker but the thing is those guys are just going to go stand in the corners and take your two best shot blockers out of there Westbrook and Harden will literally take the take Danny Green and whoever else is trying to guard them put them in a pot and boil them and cook them you know like west like and you don't have anybody in there protecting the rim if Davis and LeBron try to crash down on those guys and they drive out well you got Tucker and Covington is draining threes from the wings so I don't think the Lakers match up at all with the small ball. I think the Clippers match up really well, though, with the Rockets' small ball and the way they can switch when they uh, – that's why I thought they were foolish for giving up Mo Harkless. But when they have George, JaMichael Green, and Leonard out there on the floor together and honestly even Shamit, they can pretty much switch anything on the Rockets, which really gives them a lot of advantages and mismatches. But I really think the Clippers and the Rockets are coming out of the West. I think LeBron's going to run out of gas as well. I think he put a lot out there on the table. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's LeBron James, but I don't think that team's good enough. I think they needed to add another guard. I kept saying they should trade uh, Kuzma for Dinwiddie, which I mean, I don't even think they even discussed that. But um, <laughs> also, on outside of all those points, though, I mean, Davis has never played 16 games in a row in his NBA career, and to win the finals, you have to win 16 games. He's not going to be out there on the floor for every single game in the NBA playoffs. I mean, you can't. He gets hurt way too much. I mean, I he don't might like not have. Lakers. He might not
1: have to the T pen because if you go out there and win five games, then you get rest, and you get rest before you before you go and play your next series. And I think the reason why Anthony Davis hasn't been playing all those games is because his ass has been in New Orleans, and he knows he's not going to win a championship in New Orleans. He's got to go to a place like L.A. to win a championship. And now that he's in L.A., he's got no reason to sit on the bench. It's like, you know, this is it. Kobe's dead, tribute year, Lakers by Lakers buy by a zillion.
0: Hey, I mean, you're not wrong there with the extra motivational factor, but I also think a lot of these other players in the league as well have the motivational factor. There's a lot of other guys in the league who are close to Kobe and everything, so I think that that kind of evens its way out at the end of the day. Look, I'm not saying the Lakers are going to get absolutely smacked. I still think they play the Rockets or the Clippers. It goes at least five, six games, seven games. You know, I think it's going to be a damn good series, don't get me wrong. I don't think those teams are going to come out there and beat them in four or five, but... I just feel like that the Rockets and the Clippers are better than the Lakers, and I don't think at the end of the day the Lakers are going to be able to get past those two teams. I mean, I really am scared of the Clippers, to be honest with you, for the Rockets. I think the Clippers are a tough team for anyone to match up. I mean, Kawhi Leonard takes his game to a whole other level in the playoffs. So I think Paul True. George, too, will see him be in there more consistently, and they'll look for Paul George to get into his own here in the second half of the season. Plus, you know, they added Reggie Jackson. makes him a little, I'm not saying Reggie Jackson puts him over the top, but it definitely makes him a hell of a lot deeper. Helps. Absolutely helps, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great second half of the season. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm telling you, man, this is exactly how I felt about Indiana. like, Even when I was saying it on the podcast, I thought they could go to the finals. I don't know if they can go to the finals still, but if Victor Oladipo can get back to 80% of what Oladipo was last year, I think they're really a scary team. It's going to be peaking at the right time. He's going to have fresh legs. If he can get in rhythm at some point this season – I think it's going to be scary. I think I think the Pacers are going to have a big second half.
1: And then you're crazy for thinking the Pacers are going to have a big second half. But I hope that you proved me wrong. I hope that I'm wrong about all these takes and that you proved me wrong on all of them. I'd <laughs> love to see Victor Oladipo go off, but just don't think that him and Miles Turner are going to be able to do it.
0: Hey, it's all about Sabonis, bro. Miles Turner plays secondary to Sabonis. Ooh. I'd
1: rather have Miles Turner than Sabonis, but I guess that's a conversation for another day. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I'm I've said my piece, Austin. You got anything else on your mind before we get up out of here?
1: Nah, dude. A, a great week, great uh I've had a great week so far. This is it's always a pleasure being on the podcast. I will, actually the last thing I will say is that Deontay Wilder will win the fight on Friday over Tyson Fury. Looking forward to watching that. What is the fight Friday? Uh-huh. I think it's on Saturdays this weekend.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: So it'll be uh, MGM Grand Las Vegas. I will not be in attendance unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, um I'm not I don't know too much about fighting, but I'm going with Wilder as well, so it's going to be a fun fight and everything, but Austin, I appreciate you coming on once again, man.
1: Hey man, thanks for having me. Go uh Go Dogs. It's, I'm looking
0: forward to uh March Madness season. Oh yeah, we're getting ready for March Madness. Appreciate everyone tuning in, but we'll talk to you all later.